Well, I want to jump in today. Uh, we, you know, we've kind of been doing this series, sermon series, epic stories, and, we, and I don't know, uh, hopefully it's given a new fresh perspective on different stories and things like that over the last uh, kind of school year. We're going to continue these types of stories and things like that. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of in a place right now today where I was like, gosh, man, I feel tired today. And then Eric shares what he shares, and then somebody's convicting me in the back, kind of like, hey, what do you, you know, you got to be thankful and grateful, and, you know, in a way, and, I'm, and it's all in good fun. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, why am I so tired? And I started to realize something. It feels warm in here today. It's like 74 degrees. I mean, no wonder I'm tired. I'm like, it's a sauna in here. I'm getting, I'm getting like, today, I'm telling you, this sweatshirt's coming off. I mean, like, I am hot, like, it's hot in here today, but um, so... <laughs> Somebody's whistling in the back. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, um, I think that in our lives, you know, don't we, don't we go through just, just certain challenges and certain, you know, life situations? Like um, today, I mean, we're going to look at a story about uh, Saul, uh, who becomes, you know, this story of, of transformation. And it's, it's interesting to me, the story, because like, the, the one part of the story that I think is super fun that, that I'll, I'll get to in a second, it, it talks about... Um, Ananias meeting Saul and helping Saul remove the scales from his eyes by praying for him. And the way that they find Saul is they go, Ananias is told to go down straight street in the Bible. It says straight street. It's the only straight street in town you can find it. Just go look for the straight street and you'll find Judas's house. And then you can find Paul. I mean, this is a story in Acts chapter 9. And I was thinking about it just today as, and, and throughout the week as I was kind of preparing for this message. I was thinking, isn't that interesting? The idea of the straight and the narrow. For us in some point in time to find Jesus, we, we don't hardly ever go down the straight and the narrow. None of us have gone down the straight and the narrow. None of us have, have found Jesus because we've done everything right and everything perfect. No, we found Jesus because we've, we've hit the forks in the road. We've hit the challenges. We've gone up the high mountains and we've gone down into the valleys, going through things like cancer or going through, through, through difficulties of loss of a loved one or an addiction or a, a family friend who has, had, has a difficult relationship. or like There's all kinds of reasons why we get to a certain point in our life where we, we, we need a transformation. We need a change to happen within our lives. All of us need that to have to happen. If I were to ask you a question today, some type of question like this, like what would you say the greatest moment in your life is? What would you say the greatest moment in your life is? You know, what would you say? I mean, and I can imagine there's probably five or six that maybe you might say, or maybe two or three. When I got married, that was the greatest moment. Good job, husbands. You gotta say that one. Wives. Or maybe it was like when I had our first kid. And now my second and third kid are going, what about us, Dad? Right? You know, that kind of thing. Like, we say these types of things. Like, this is the greatest moment in our lives. One of my absolute favorite football players of all time is now Case Keenum. 
And a couple of years ago when, when it happened, when the, the, the Mir- Minneapolis miracle happened, when he throws the football uh, to, to Stefan Diggs and he goes down the, to, to the end zone and he gets the touchdown. And it was the greatest, probably the, one of the top three greatest moments in all of Minnesota sports history. And it, it's just perfect. And, you know, and I know that football season's almost ending up, so I've got to use this story. And I've used this story way, you know, in the past. But as, as this story transfolds and as, as the ball gets caught and Steph Diggs goes in the touchdown, I'm only waiting for the announcer to go up or the interviewer to go up to Case Keenum and ask him, what is this the greatest moment in your life? And if you remember that day, if you remember watching, if you remember that question that Case Keenum was, 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 uh, gonna, was asked, I remember sitting there watching it with my son Joey. And I remember going, this could be a great moment uh, in, in my life as well. And what Case Keenum had said, he goes, no, he says, this is not the greatest moment in my life. He says, it's probably the third greatest moment in my life. He says, the second greatest moment was when I got married to my wife, and the number one greatest moment in my life was when I gave my life over to Jesus Christ. That was the greatest moment in his life. This idea that transformation or conversion or an experience when he said, I stopped being the person I was, and I started being the person that God made me to be. I realized that there was a change. Something significant happened in my life at that moment when I found my Savior and my Lord. Now, I would imagine that that as we sit here and we think about that today, like the reason why I bring that up is because we're going to look at this story of Saul's conversion. Would you say or would he say that that was the greatest moment in his life? I don't know. My guess is probably yes. I wonder that as we sit here and we listen today and we hear this type of story, I wonder if you and I would say the same thing. Has our transformation, has our moment when we receive Christ, has that conversion experience happened, has that been the thing? Has that been the moment that has changed your life for the better, for the best, for all time? I remember when it happened for me. Um, <laughs> I would say probably at that time I, I would say no. Um, I was seven years old. I remember um, being on the bottom bunk of my bunk bed, and I remember my mom coming up to my room and saying, Josh, it's time to talk. I have no idea how bad of a kid I was. Uh, at that time. I have no idea if I had a bad day uh, or whatever, but my mom came up with a burden on her heart and she says, I want to ask you something. Do you want to follow Jesus in your life? Do you want to know him as your personal Savior and Lord? And I just remember saying, sure. (laughs) And my mom prayed with me by my bedside and that's all it was. Like, it was just a moment. Like, it was just a prayer. Like, it was just, I remember, I remember that moment, those experiences. I remember that time. And I, and I think about it, and I'm kind of going, was that the conversion experience that changed everything in my life? I would say it was the, the start. 
It was the acknowledgement. It was the, the moment when, when, I, when I finally understood or, or, or understood for a, a sense of I'm going to put my faith in God, like I'm going to, I'm going to do this type of thing. And, and there was a lot of process and a lot of things that continued to go throughout my life that brought about some change. And it was many years later when more change and more things happened, but the Holy Spirit, I truly believe, entered at that moment and that God was at work doing transformative work within me. Just as much as, I wonder, could you just take a second and think about the time that you gave your life over to Jesus? When you said, I'm going to follow him, and I'm not going to follow my, my own ways anymore. There may be people even in the room today that maybe have never done that. They have never said anything like that. They said, I've gone to church and I've done these things, but what is this pastor guy talking about? Well, what we believe in this church and we believe in the Bible says is that we have an opportunity to receive Jesus into our life when we ask him to come in. We do that through faith by saying, God, come in. I'm a wreck. I've done a lot of bad things. I need your love, your forgiveness, and I need a change of heart and mind. And you can do that at any point in time. In the story today, in Acts, um, we hear a story about Saul, about this, this guy that, that many didn't know at the time. And, and this is after Jesus died, after Jesus rose. There was, there was a, a bunch of people that, were, that knew and saw what Jesus was doing. There were all the disciples, and they were amazing um, going out into to building the church. And, and even people had been coming to know Christ. And, and there was another guy. There was a guy by the name of Saul who was an oppressor. He was a persecutor of the people who followed the way. He was, a, he was, a, he was the, the opposite of what God was about doing in the world. He was doing the very opposite things. He was, he was persecuting and, and going after Christian people. He was happy that Stephen had died. He agreed with the stoning of Stephen who, who had basically just shared the gospel and talked about how God had, had been at work in his life and how, how God was changing and transforming everybody. And, if, and in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, we, we start our story by understanding or hearing who this Saul person is. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. He was against God. He was against the God of, of Christianity, the, the Jesus Christ God. He, he, was a, he was a follower in Judaism. He was a, he was a great um, you know, Pharisee, and he was studied under Gamaliel, and he had all kinds of amazing like, abilities and insights and knowledge, and he was religious but he wasn't following the way. He wasn't following Jesus. He didn't believe at that moment. And so he started to persecute and he started to challenge those people that were, that were sort of living for Jesus. He was like, we gotta get rid of all of these people who, who, who are believing the message that Jesus died and rose again. And in verse two of chapter eight of Acts, it says a great wave of persecution began that day. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. 
Verse 3 says Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. What's pretty exciting about this passage is today, the story today, what's exciting about the story today is this, that the worst of the worst, God can change. The worst of the worst, the, the, the lost of all people, the blind, anybody that, that's completely away from God, God can still change them. God, that means God can change you. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, God's goodness, his love, his faithfulness, and his transformation can still reach you. You know, I wonder if, you know, you say, well, Josh, I get that. I know that. We've heard that a lot of times. So I'm kind of going, yeah, you know what, though? I don't know how much do we believe it. In our lives, we get so busy, we get so worked up, we get so wrapped up into the things of this world that I would imagine that many times we doubt, many times we question, many times we, we kind of think, you know what, I, I've kind of led astray, I've not been going down the straight and narrow road, I've been, I've been going through the valleys, I've been going up the hills, I've been, I've been turning left and right, and I haven't necessarily always been following God. The good news is, is that he's always been following you. And the good news is he's not done and he's not given up, and that all you need to do is repent or turn around, and he's right there. He wants, he wants to give us something that we don't have. In chapter nine of Acts, Saul's conversion, it says this, it's, it's a long story, I'm gonna read a lot of it today, um, but as I read it, maybe think about your story as I read it. Saul, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went, to the, he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for the cooperation in the arrest of the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains he wanted to stop them. He wanted to get rid of them. He wanted all hint of this Jesus and the death and the resurrection to be gone because for him, it was about his religion. It was about his way. It was about what he had done and what he's accomplished. And he had no time to surrender to a new way. Probably like many of us, we've done it our way. We have our plans. We like our things but why do I need to change? Why does, do I need to surrender? Why, do, why does this God need to rule and control my life? I like to do it my way. In verse three, it says, as he was approaching Damascus on, the mission, on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? These words in the Bible are written in red, so we believe they're Jesus' words speaking from heaven, saying, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's response, or Saul asked, who are you? With a question mark of, Lord? Who are you, Lord? 
And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The man with Saul stood speechless, for they had heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Calling Ananias? Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to the straight street. <laughs> go over to the straight street. Go to the, the one that's, you know, straighter than all the others, to the house of Judah, Judas. Um, when you get there, ask for a man named, um, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I have chosen him. Can you imagine the, the, the inner workings of God's sovereignty in all of these stories that we've been reading about? That, that, God, but, but that, that God wasn't going to just use the, the, the disciples to, to build his church, that he was going to use the, the oppressor, he was going to use the one that's persecuting the Christians, he was going to transform the one guy that in, this, in the stories that's the worst of all worst sinners. Doesn't make any sense. Go after the best, go after the brightest, go after the smartest, go after the ones that are more faithful to you, God. Like, tell them, no, he goes, I'm going to go after the, the worst guys. And I'm going to transform their hearts. I'm going to transform their minds. I'm going to make them my instrument, God says. I'm going to choose, I've chosen them, and I'm going to use them. And so Ananias went and saw, found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. And it continues to talk about how he started preaching the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And, that his, and, and he preached throughout all over, and people were coming to know Jesus. There's a message here. There's a couple messages here today. One of the messages definitely is, is that God can change anybody. He can change you. He can change me. He can transform the human heart. But there's even a deeper message or even a better message there that, that, that in some way, if you think about the story of, of, of Saul becoming, you know, Paul in this transformation, conversion experience, there's, there's something amazing that happens to what he thinks, what he knows, what his experiences are changing from. I want to I try to draw this out a little bit with this thought. Last week, we, we talked about Abraham and Isaac. 
Now, if you remember the story last week, I, I shared with you some parallels of what, of what the story of Abraham and Isaac were, was like to the parallels of what Jesus was like. And I talked about that, that, Jesus, that the sin must be atoned for, that, that, that there was a one and only son that, that both the father and Abraham had, that, that, that the son carried the wood just like Jesus carries the cross, that, you know, that there was a, a thorn, uh, a ram caught in the thicket and that there needed to be a sacrifice of a lamb and Jesus became the lamb that had thorns on his head. I mean, all this connection, they provided a sacrifice that happened on Mount Moriah that like literally on Mount Moriah, the, the, the temple mount in Jerusalem where animals were sacrificed for years and years and years and when Jesus dies on the cross, the temple curtain was ripped in two saying the Lord has provided Yahweh Yireh. The Lord has provided a sacrifice. And you've been participating, you've been practicing all these rituals and rules from all, these, all this time throughout all the patriarchs and all the different people throughout all generations. How in the world did Saul not see it? How in the world did a guy like Saul who was religious, who followed Gamaliel, who, who, who knew of the traditions that was a Pharisee, like how in the world does he not see the connection that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus came for, for, to, to save, seek and save that which was lost, himself included, and he never saw it until the scales fell off his eyes. You see, my thought is, you know, we can go to church, we can do lots of things, we can experience lots of stuff that we do in this earth, we can have all the stuff that, that can bring us to God, but unless we allow the, the Spirit of God to change us, unless we allow the Spirit of God to remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see clearly, we're going to continue to be blind, distracted, confused. What we have to do is we have to be willing to surrender our life to Christ to say, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna open up the, my Bible, and I'm gonna read it, and I'm gonna allow God's word to shape and mold me into a new person. Yeah, that has to happen. And you know, today, um, be transparent with you, today was one of those days where, uh, in the, before the service, it was a little bit of a challenge today. Um, we have a few few staff members that were you know, on vacation things, and we had to do communion. And so, like, like you know, coffee pots that plug in, break circuit breakers, and like we're trying to figure all these things out, right? And as we're starting to figure them out, you know, you could get discouraged, you could get frustrated, and in some ways, like deep down inside, I'm going, I can figure this out, and I tried my best, and and then all of a sudden, we realize something that uh, we have communion today. We knew we had communion today, but we realized something. We didn't have any communion cups. How do you do communion with no communion cups? And, and here's the thing is like, I, I was sitting there kind of going, how am I gonna solve this one? You know, like, Bill's Superette has Dixie cups. Could you imagine that? Like, we're just gonna lay a bunch of Dixie cups up here and everybody can come forward and get, <laughs> we'll figure it out, right? And then all of a sudden I realized something. I'm like, I went to church yesterday and that was in this building with New Life Church and they had communion. And then I started to realize something. We're letting them use one of our spaces over here for some food shelf and I had heard that they put their communion stuff in that room. So now I'm going, I need to get a key, which I don't have because I gave it away. 
And I'm sitting there going, I can't get in there. So I'm calling Zach and I'm calling, and I'm like, I don't even know how to get in there. But Alice and Paul are trying to figure it out and, and, and we're trying to figure out the communion. We're trying to get the, and all of a sudden I'm going, I don't even know if they got any of the glasses, the little cups, you know, but I'm like, I'm going to try. We'll see. We get in there eventually about five minutes before the service. <laughs> Paul and Alice are, we get the, the little cups and Paul and Alice are, you know, Alice are putting all the grape juice in the cups and we get it up here so we can have communion. And I was like, you know what? I sometimes need to let the scales fall from my eyes to see truly what's so, more, so much so significant within our church. Everything was going to be fine. It didn't matter if, if, if we would have missed a week or not of communion. It would have been okay. But, but there's a significant thing that's happening inside of this place now, outside of this place, inside of your life. Like, there's so much, so much that's significant that, 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 I, that I hope that I don't just get so distracted in, in the duty and the, the religion and the, the performance and the plan that I miss God's way and I miss his significance and what he's doing and, and sometimes I've got I've to have a, a conversion moment when, when the light hits me from, from you know, the sky and, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit speaks and says, Josh, stop it. Just follow me. Just trust me. Surrender your life to me. Give it over to me. Let me, let me show you what I do. Let me be a part of your life. He's saying the same thing to you as well. What is it that, that we need, what scales are, that are on our eyes that we need to fall away so we can truly see what God's doing in our lives? Think about that for you. I mean, I could try to describe certain things like the distractions of today could have basically blinded me from what God's truly doing in a spiritual realm. The joy of our kids coming to church. The love of our, of our families embracing each other. The prayers that were lifted up on behalf of others today. There's something that's shaking and rocking the, the, the foundation of, of the spiritual realm in this room when we live by faith and when we talk to our Father in heaven, when we pray and when we ask and when we seek and when we knock. God is at work. There's something so significant that's happening, so let's not be distracted. Let's not miss the point. Let's ask God to continue to do what he is doing, and let us open our eyes so that we can see. Can you imagine a guy like Saul, who his whole life is following a certain religion and following a certain way not the way, but a way, his way, or the way of Judaism and those things. And that he could have missed all of it until God got his heart. I wonder sometimes if there's anyone that comes to church on a regular basis or anyone in, in, their, in our community that have, that have searched and done the things that for themselves throughout all their life. They've been religious, they've done these things, but they've never had a conversion experience where the scales fall off their eyes when they go, aha, now I know. Now I can see. You see, the Bible is very clear that, 
that, you know what, spiritual blind people can't see spiritually spiritual things. You have to have a spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit come inside of you to know, to see, to be able to recognize what God's doing. And the only way that you can have that is by accepting him into your life. Jesus, come into my life. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit and allow that Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the blind. Open the eyes of the spiritually blind. You know, if, um, if you're a person who gets distracted, if you're a person who's living in this world super confused and disoriented and, and, and blind, it's dark place and you can't see the spiritual realm, it's, it's, it's your time to give your life to Christ. It's your time to ask him to remove the scales from your eyes. It's time for you to say, I want to see it clearly. I, I love the fact that our church doesn't shy away from preaching the gospel, and I love the fact that we don't shy away from preaching the message that there is a spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm is, is so much like, more important in a sense of, of, of this world and what we, 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 we can see what, we, what others can't see because we live by the Spirit of God. We can see the things of God because the Spirit of God is living in us and so we're not so distracted. But if you can't and you're struggling, the only way that you can is by accepting Christ and having the Holy Spirit come in and open your heart, open your eyes, clear your mind, renew your mind, and let the scales fall from your eyes. This is the story of, of Saul who becomes Paul, the conversion experience. For me, I think my favorite person in this story is actually Ananias. Maybe many of us, God's called us to be Ananiases now. To be the people who, well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. Are you kidding me? He was persecuting the people. He's putting them in jail. If I go to his house off Straight Street, Judas's house, and, and where, it's where he is, he's going to arrest me, throw me in prison. And Ananias was so confident in what God had for him, even though he questioned, do I really have to go? He went. And what did he do? Laid his hands on Saul and prayed for him. And it says that was the moment the scales fell down from his eyes. Wait, three days, three days in the process, right? He sees a light from heaven. Saul sees a light from heaven. He falls off his horse, and yet the scales didn't fall from his eyes until three days later when Ananias actually prays for him. You know, for me, I accepted Christ one time in my, in my bedroom with my mom, and yet I think there was a part of the journey that the scales still needed to fall down from my eyes, and God was still at work starting and finishing the author and perfecter of my faith, the first faith, the first moment. If you're in progress, if you're in process, it's totally good. But I'm telling you this, following God is the greatest moment and the greatest thing in possibly could be in your life. There's nothing greater, absolutely nothing greater. Score a big touchdown, big deal. Hit a home run, big deal. Win at pickleball, big deal. You know, building a church of believers who love Jesus, that's a big deal. Being a part of a community 
that love each other, that's a big deal. Praying for people, for people to come to know Jesus, that's a big deal. Giving money, yeah, it's a big deal. Raising up the foundation and the building of the church, God's body to build the kingdom and advance it in this world is a really big deal. And God wants you to see clearly what he's doing. We have to get out of the way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this message today. I pray that it was encouraging, inspiring, that it, that it challenges us to think about the things that we need to think about. The fact that a simple story, like an epic story, a moment where Paul's trans, that Saul becomes Paul, the, 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 the way that we talk about it that way, the conversion experience, the moment when the, when the light bulb comes into our mind and we understand and we see clearly. God, I pray that for each and every person in this room. I pray, God, that the, that that when they seek, they will find. When they knock, the door will be open. God, I pray that, that they would um, ask and receive what it is that they need in their life because they're seeking and finding and knocking and, and the door being open because, God, they're, they're, they're approaching you, saying, God, I know that what I need is spiritual. It's nothing in this world that can satisfy. It's only you that satisfies my heart. It's only you that makes my mind clean or clear. I pray, Father, that you would be at work within our people. Thank you so much for the word and what you're doing. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd stand and join us as we sing this last song together.